today on Ag News Daily. I am a Dutch dairy girl from uh, Central California. Because of that, I've had the luxuries of watching my dad and my grandpa be a uh, custom farmer, an almond farmer specifically on my grandpa's side. And I also have had the privilege to grow up on a dairy farm. Happy Friday, listeners. Friday, February 23rd. Boy, Delaney, this uh, month of February is disappearing very quickly. That is what happens, Tanner. The calendar moves and time moves at the exact same pace. We just uh, view it differently. Wow. I tell you what, it is going to be fun this year, though, having a leap year day. Uh, be interesting to see what kind of bonus coverage we get on the 29th, since we'll be right in the middle of Commodity Classic. Again, listeners, if you're down there, come find us. Delaney and I will be roaming around the show everywhere from John Deere to Sukup to Corteva. We uh, should have a lot of great content coming back from that show. We will have a lot of great content, and we're going to have a lot of exciting changes in the works here for the Ag News Daily Podcast. We'll be gathering some of that content at Corteva and giving a few teasers before we give our big announcement in just a few weeks, Tanner. That's right. We also got some teasers for some weekend weather. There is a little bit of snow in the forecast. We're looking at parts of Illinois and Indiana this evening into tomorrow. Scattered snow showers, so nothing too significant will affect that area. The National Weather Service is reporting that little to no accumulation is going to happen, but this could cause some spots to be slick, primarily bridges and overpasses. Of course, we still have our dense fog warnings that seem to continue to show up this early spring, late winter. The northern half of Ohio and some of Michigan will see some dense fog warnings. Visibility will be down to a quarter or a half a mile. That fog is expected to persist today until mid-morning and also may return tomorrow. Of course, still have dry and windy conditions across the southern plains for that fire risk and red flag warning that is still in place. So there's your weather update for this Friday episode. Well, Tanner, I have a little bit of, it's somewhat weather related, but we saw the Army Corps of Engineers has officially released a statement earlier this month that the Mississippi Valley Division along the Mississippi River announced the drought was finally over. These drought conditions dated back to September of 2022, and the commanding general of the Army Corps of Engineers, Mississippi Valley Division, announced that they were happy that the Mississippi River has no draft restrictions now for the third week in a row, no dredges operating for lower water, and they're considering the drought for the Mississippi River and barge traffic officially over. The rebound in water levels on the Mississippi River is reflected um, as seeing higher water levels here for a few weeks consistently. And they said that the, their uh, monitorings were also showing higher water, water levels in St. Louis and Memphis compared to the past two years. Snowmelt and other precipitation has, over the past five to six weeks, really supplied additional water to the system. And significant increases in water, especially in Memphis, have been notated. So they are excited there at that news that they were able to share. But as we look at Panama Canal drought conditions, over the past few months, the Panama Canal certainly has been having the opposite story, Tanner. And as we look at the conditions down there, unfortunately, they are still in a pretty significant drought area and are still having to deal with quite a bit of limited daily transits. Only about 24 barges are allowed through the canal each day. That's down from their normal up to 40 
transits per day. So this reduction is certainly having an impact on global trade as we've talked here on the podcast, but that's the latest update we have here for today. Yeah, I'm sure that there's going to be lots of concerns about that Panama Canal going forward. I wonder too, if this early snow melt could cause issues for lower levels in the future. We'll continue to keep an eye on those. Ethanol report for last week, ethanol output rose to its highest level in almost two months while inventories declined. So two positive factors there, Delaney, extra production and extra demand. The production of the biofuel increased to an average of 1.084 million barrels per day. That was up from 1.083, so just barely eclipsing last week. The Midwest was again the farthest, the highest region for production. Ethanol inventories fell from or fell to 25.502, down from 25.81. So a positive aspect for the ethanol industry there. And we also got some positive news coming out of the EPA's decision on Thursday, the EPA approved the request from eight Midwestern state governors to allow the expanded sales of E15 in their states starting in 2025. They approved the request that will allow these expanded sales of the E15 gasoline uh, in summer months. So it's good to see that this fuel blended of 15% bioethanol that can be used in cars, trucks, and SUVs is has been expanded so we'll continue to keep an eye on that of course poet made an announcement they are grateful to the midwestern governors to continue their support and champion for that of selling e15 on year round it provides lower prices for patrons at the pumps and will continue to support uh america's corn farmers growth energy in washington dc is a bio-based trade association that helped lead this through the ruling. We'll continue to keep an eye on that as well as the announcements coming from the Renewable Fuels Association stating that the U.S. ethanol industry is on a mission to expand the demand for ethanol and the renewable fuel as as well as bioproducts, of course, worldwide, but starting here within our own borders is one of their priorities. So they're pleased to see that the year-round E15 has been approved outside of those summer months in eight states. So a lot of positive notes there, Delaney, coming out of this ruling. So it'll be great to see if we can get the list of states expanded and have that sold in more states year-round. Yeah, and just to add to that comment, Tanner, uh, we still don't have clarity about this summer 2024 year-round E15 sales, so it's likely that they will pass some sort of extension or waiver for those eight states to still continue E15 sales during the summer months. But the EPA cited that they did receive petitions from multiple stakeholders requesting the extension for all states. However, they had concerns over insufficient fuel supply and and some statutory provisions, um, which is part of the reason they said they did not implement year-round E15 in all states. So a road ahead we have here to hoe for year-round E15 in all states, but of course, good news there for the eight states that did get approved in. Absolutely. Well, Tanner, in some other news, we have had some recent traction here with an avian influenza vaccine. I don't believe we've covered this on the podcast, but the USDA recently announced they're about 18 months or so away from identifying a vaccine that would help with the current strain of avian influenza. 
It is currently in development right now, according to Secretary Vilsack, and the USDA has found bird flu in eight commercial flocks and 14 backyard flocks so far this year, affecting about half a million birds, according to the agency. So they said they're about 18 months or so away from being able to identify a vaccine that would be effective with this particular strain we're dealing with now. They said they plan to discuss poultry vaccinations with trading partners amid concerns that other countries could restrict imports of poultry that has been vaccinated. But the World Health Organization for Animal Health in May said that governments should consider bird flu vaccines for poultry to prevent the spread of the virus turning into another pandemic. And the World Health Organization is encouraging trade partners to uh, take that approach with it. So they're suggesting there is not any sort of health concerns for poultry that would have been vaccinated by that. And But we know that in the supply chain, those those birds won't be in the supply chain until the withdrawal period has expired. So uh, the World Health Organization is just continuing to advocate that this is a good solution and it's a safe solution for consumers. So 18 months from now, Tanner, we may have a potential vaccination. And that would be exciting. Certainly a benefit to the poultry industry. FBN has named their fourth CEO to lead their company amongst its last 18 months. This role will be taken over by Diego Canicello, and that will start on March 1st. This comes after Devin Lammers was saving at, or serving as the interim CEO following John Baskey's eight-month tenure. So we'll continue to report upon this. Uh, as far as previous CEOs had a strong technology and finance background, uh, Costello's background, or Casanello's, apologize, Casanello's resume is heavy in the crop protection business. He brings more than 30 years of leadership experience. He was previously CEO of Arista Life Sciences, Inc., and has international roles within the BASF programs. He joins FBN, having most recently been a managing partner and CEO of Vidalvo Adventures, which is a venture capital venture. Uh, business. After a comprehensive search, the board is pleased to have found a leader that will be exceptionally well suited to advance the long-term strategy and accelerate its growth. Diego is excited to take over this position as well. He will take over on March 1st. His track record of crop protection and agribusiness leadership will be a strong shoulder for the company to lean on and makes him well positioned to successfully lead FBN into the future. I'm sure that we will run into him down at Commodity Classic. It'd be hopefully nice if we could catch up to him and see what his vision is. But ultimately, we wish him the best of luck in his new leadership role. Yeah, absolutely, Tanner. I think I saw that headline as well. So glad you grabbed it for us this morning. But I believe I am out of headlines here for this morning, aside from taking a look at the markets. What about you? I just have a quick one from Pivot Bio since its launch in 2022. Pivot Bio's Novator, the program that uh, sets up for uh, use of Pivot Bio Proven 40, has paid farmer participants more than $6 million. So it's kind of interesting to see that. Of course, this is an annual carbon in setting in partnership uh, and is incentivizing those that change practices on their farm using Pivot Bio Proven 40 as a nitrogen reduction strategy. So kind of interesting announcement that we got from Pivot Bio there. 
Absolutely. Sounds great. I know they'll be at Commodity Classic next week as well. So we might be able to catch up with them. You never know. Dinner, I am out of news, like I mentioned. So I think let's dive into the markets if that's okay with you. Let's do it. Fantastic. Well, as we take a look at the overnights here, getting ready to head into the opening session, grains are trading mixed. March corn up a penny at 4.07, while soybeans are trading down three quarters, three and three quarters of a cent at 11.44 in the March soybean contract. Chicago March wheat this morning up four and three quarters cents at 5.88. Hard red March winter wheat up two pennies at 5.76. And March spring wheat up a penny and a quarter at 6.52 and a half. Taking a look at livestock and where they'll open on the board here this morning, April live cattle will open at a buck eighty six fifty five. March feeder cattle will open at two fifty two oh five, and April lean hogs this morning will open at eighty seven twenty. Tanner, super excited today. One of the recent announcements we have to share with our listeners here on the podcast is we have a new summer intern who's uh, going to be joining us here on the podcast. So let's turn it over to our conversation with Anika, our new podcast intern. Well, Tanner, for today's Friday interview, we're very excited to introduce the newest Ag News Daily intern, Anika Dykesel, who is a senior at Texas Tech University. Guns up. Uh, Go Red Raiders. Anika, excited to have you as our new Ag News Daily intern. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about your story. You're at Texas Tech now, graduating very soon, but uh, you also grew up on a farm. So talk to us about your background. Awesome. So I like to start with my elevator pitch. My name is Enika Dijksel. I am a Dutch dairy girl from uh, Central California. I'm from a small town called Modesto. And if you look it up on a map, it's right smack dab in the middle of California. Um, Because of that, I've had the luxuries of watching my dad um, and my grandpa be a uh, custom farmer, an almond farmer specifically on my grandpa's side. And I also have had the privilege to grow up on a dairy farm. Um, With that being said, I spent a lot of my years um, showing 4-H and F FA and ended up showing uh, more beef cow, uh, beef cattle heavy towards my um, later years in FFA. Um, this taught me a lot of responsibility and a lot of fun and really brought me towards uh, my strong passion in agriculture. Um, because of everything that happened, my uh, parents thought it'd be best for me to go to junior college for a year, which I did. Um, And thankfully I did because through that I was able to uh, gain a scholarship, which led me to Texas Tech. And we have the number one AgCon program here and it has been nothing short of amazing. Uh, (laughs) I like to tell everybody that um, I've loved not having, um, not having to question whether I know what I'm doing or if my major's you know, something that I'm passionate about. Um, And it definitely is. And I've had the most help and the best experience. And I'm so sad to graduate. (laughs) Yeah. So as you look towards graduation, when is that? And what do you hope to do after you graduate? Well, it it seems to be the most hot topic of conversation, but it also seems to be my least favorite um, <laughs> because I don't really know a whole lot of what I want to do, um, but I graduate in May, uh, May 11th, I believe, to be exact, and after graduation um, rolls around, I'm hoping sometime in the future to either work for a communications firm or um 
editorial things really interest me, like interviewing and having um, a magazine layout, things like that. So um, whether it be the nitty gritty or the or the interviewing process, but all are important and all are super fun to me. So that um, that I think something in those regions would be where I want to be after I graduate. Well, being a Texas tech gal, you're near and dear to my heart. As many of our listeners may not know, I got my master's through tech and we've gotten quite a few interns from Texas tech because of that connection. But at your time, during your time at tech, what are all the different organizations and things you've been involved in? Well, um, I will say that I got a little bit of a late start um, uh, in the Davis College, which was formerly known as Kasner, um, kind of getting involved. But I'm glad that I got involved when I did because we're doing some really exciting things. Um, so as of right now, um, I am involved in the Davis College with um, the Agritexans, which is kind of the upper level of ambassadors. We do a lot of traveling to make sure that we can kind of bridge that gap, get our message out there, get some kids recruited. And, um, you know, it's really fun being from California, um, especially seeing all the kids who, oh, I don't know if I want to go that far away from home. Like, why is Texas Tech the best fit for me? And um, it's a good story to have because I I toured every other college in Texas um, and didn't tour tech before I applied, got in and kind of came here blindly. And so it's worked out for the best because I've been able to um, really, really be able to connect with some kids and say, hey, I really thought this was the best. <laughs> and, I, and I haven't even been here yet. So it really worked out perfect for me. Um, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much, um, yeah, my, my biggest organization. I also am involved, this is really important, but I'm also, and for the last three years, have been involved in the sorority Zeta Tau Alpha, which is a philanthrop, uh, philanthropic, um, panhellenic, sorority here at Texas Tech. And, um, through that, we've done a lot of, um, fundraising and community awareness for um, breast cancer education and awareness, which is really important to me. Um, and so that has been one of the most fun things to shape my life, to say the least. Um, I'm getting a little old, so I'm a little less involved in that now, but I love supporting um, our girls who need our help. So, yeah. That's great. I'm, and then here's your first shot at my humor. I did uh, have a quick <laughs> look it up. But I think Iowa State just bested these Red Raiders that you two are loving on. I know. Uh, last week in men's basketball. So go clones. I'll throw that in there. But as you <laughs> as you look forward to your internship with Agnews Daily, what are you looking forward to trying to grab out of your time hanging out with uh, Delaney and I? Um, it's hard to pick just one, but I think maybe my top two would be, like I said, um, I have always, even though I prefaced this interview with, I'm very scared to do my first interview today, um, but I love to interview people and it's something that I've always wanted to work on and it's something that um, is not something that comes easy to me, even though I'm a very big, or I would say self-proclaimed people person. So um, it works out really well um, in that aspect. Um, I also am really just excited to gain the experience of, of maybe working um, remote, working more close-knit with people. Um, I know that Delaney and I have talked previously of maybe some different social media strategies and some, um, some potential um, work trips. And for that, to me, that seems exciting. And that seems uh, futuristic. And that's also something that keeps me on my toes. So I really appreciate that um, when it comes to this job. 
Well, we're certainly excited to have you on the podcast and you're going to help us launch our TikTok channel. So we're excited <laughs> to have your support there. I'm not a very good TikToker. I know Tanner is, but it'll be good to have you on the team as well to help support us. And that's a little teaser of some exciting things to come listeners launching our, our TikTok channel. But Anika, super excited to have you, uh, excited to have you this summer. And we're hoping we can get you to Iowa this summer as well. Be with us in person. <laughs> I would love to come to Iowa. Sounds so fun. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Certainly appreciate it. And listeners, you're going to be hearing her voice more frequently on the podcast through some interviews and hosting with Tanner and I. So be sure to look her up. Anika, are you on any social media sites that our listeners can follow you on? Yes, I am. I am on um, Instagram and it is my first name, I-N-E-K-A and my last name, which maybe might be listed um, because that's a little harder. Um, And then my... um, I think that's pretty much my main. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm also on Facebook. So if you want to go look at my LinkedIn, um, it is up fresh and new. So it looks really good. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, thanks again. Thank you so much. Well, that's great. It's always fun to help young aspiring individuals get access to the world of agriculture, news, headlines, and interviews. Excited to share her with our listeners. But listeners, we will be down at Commodity Classic next week. Stay tuned for some really fun content. We're excited to get back in the saddle and record in person, right, Delaney? We are. It always feels like we just have great chemistry, Tanner, when we record together in person. That's right. But for today, listeners, what do you say, Delaney? Should we let them go? Let's let them go.